Well, greetings and welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad that you could join me. Uh, we want to start off with a word of prayer um, and get right into our lesson. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this video. We thank you for all those that have joined. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will be the teacher on today. Show us those things that we need to see and give us an understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. <clears throat> We've been reading through the Bible. For those that might be joining us for the first time, uh, we're on chapter 4 of Genesis. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation because that's... Uh, a good translation to understand. I do use the New King James Version occasionally, but mostly will be in the New Living Translation. So we're going to jump right in. What we do is we read the scripture and you want to hang with me because once we read the scripture, then we're going to make sure we understand what we just read. And then we're going to make life application and see what the Holy Spirit would teach us in the passage that we read. Amen. So you want to, uh, if you can, just stick with me for about a good 30 minutes and then we will be finished. Amen. And just believing that God and the Holy Spirit is going to bless us on today. So let's just jump right in. Chapter four, starting in verse one, it says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. That word dejected means he looked sad and depressed. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. <clears throat> Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. And that word crouching is like somebody being sneaky and crouching down, you know, trying to uh, launch out at you and uh, don't want you to know that they're there. That's what that crouch, the word crouching means here. But you must subdue it, talking about sin, and, and be its master. And when you subdue means to take control of it, to bring it under your control. Verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Verse 10, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. 
The Lord replied, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment. And sevenfold means I'm going to punish the person seven times to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Verse 17. Cain had sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city, which he named Enoch after his son. Enoch had a son named Irid. Irid became the father of Mahujiel. Mahujiel became the father of Methushiel. And Methushiel became the father of Lamech. And you want to pay attention to that Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H, because we're going to talk more about him. Verse 19, Lamech married two women. The first was named Ada, and the second was Zila. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who play the harp and the flute. Lamech's other wife, Zila, gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain had a sister named Nama. And one day Lamech said to his wives, and listen how he brags, Ada and Zilla, hear my voice, listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If anyone, if someone kills Cain, is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. So he's being pretty braggadocious right here. <clears throat> Verse 23, I mean 25. <clears throat> Adam had sexual relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth. For she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. And I like the way the King James Version says the end of that verse is that because at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But let's just go back a little bit and you know, dissect some of this and see what we can, uh, what the Holy Spirit will show us in this. But in verse one, it talks about Adam and Eve were elated that they were able to produce a man with the Lord's help. And this, this is no small thing because um, God had created everything in the garden to reproduce itself. And he had told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. So now they're multiplying, they're producing after their own kind. So imagine the excitement the very first time they made a child together and he looks just like them with fingers and toes and, you know, uh, he looked like he was human. They produced a human. So they were elated. <clears throat> but it made me think about the awesomeness of God. God is awesome to have made us so perfectly and put in us the ability to reproduce after our kind. 
How can anyone doubt that there is a God? Just the miracle of the birth of a child. Not only can we reproduce, but everyone we reproduce is unique in that there are no two fingerprints exactly alike. There is only one of you. So with all the billions of people on the planet, how can everybody be so different that there's no two fingerprints that are alike? Only God could do that. And then let's think for a minute about the awesomeness of God. The sun stays in its place. The moon is always there. The earth does not fall out of space. It keeps revolving around the sun. Gravity keeps us from falling off the earth. The seasons that keep occurring in their time is something else to give us pause. I live in Michigan, so we definitely have all the seasons. We have winter, spring, summer, and fall. And I love living in Michigan because I love seeing all the different seasons. Each one is beautiful in its own way. But those seasons keep, keep coming every year. The seasons come at their appointed time. Only God could do that. How about if you think about the rain that comes down and waters the earth when the earth is dry and need watering and how beautiful the grass looks after the rain, a fresh rain just came down. Everything looks so beautiful and green. Uh, even the snow when it comes down. I had an opportunity to visit uh, Alaska for a season and right after a fresh fall, a fresh fall in snow, it is the most beautiful sight you wanna see with all the snow just sitting on the trees. Only God could do that. And then also the fact that our bodies heal themselves. I think that is just so awesome that you can break a bone or break something or break your leg and they'll put, put it in a cast only to give your body time to heal itself. And the body heals itself. So thinking about all that awesome and awesomeness, I just had to pause and just appreciate how awesome God is and just wonder how could anybody say there is no God? When you can look out at creation and see, man could not create this. Look at the sunset. Look at the sunrise, how beautiful it is. How, why the oceans stay in their place and, and don't come over and, and, and cover up the land. God, only God could do that. So anyway, I just pause just to think about the awesomeness of God. But let's go to verse 2. It said, Abel was a shepherd and he tended sheep and Cain was a farmer. He planted. In verse 3. They were given, they were giving to the Lord. The giving to the Lord started long before the law ever came. So they were given an offering. And this is before Moses had um, declared how they were supposed to give offerings. But this was an offering of gratitude. This wasn't an offering to cover their sin. They were uh, in gratitude because of the harvest had come in. So Abel, and pay attention to this, Abel offered the Lord the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock the best portions cain offered god some of his crops now notice it did not say the best of his first crops but just some of his crops abel's offering was accepted cain's was rejected so i think you can always we can even gather from this that you should always give god your best 
And it doesn't look like Cain bothered to give his best. It looks like he just, okay, I'm gonna, you know, it's almost out of duty. I'm gonna give God part of my my crops. Um, but yet Abel chose the first fruits and the best of his flock. And that just reminds me of the scripture that said, man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. Because when you look at the two sacrifices that they made, well, um, Cain was a tiller of the ground, so he his uh, responsibility was was the vegetables and and creating things from the garden. So he you know he brought it off that as his offering. There's nothing wrong with that. Abel took care of the sheep, and so he brought um, one of his offerings as a, as a lamb and a sheep that was slaughtered. But it was the best that he had. But God looks on the heart. How many people know God looks on our heart? So sometimes what you're doing on the outside might look like it's right, but you can't fool God. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. And 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 he looks on something deeper than what man looks on. Because I'm I'm reminded of a story in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, where uh Samuel was sent to anoint the next king. Saul had been rejected and uh, actually, God was going to anoint David, but he just told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and I'm going to show you who I want you to anoint. So all of Jesse's sons went uh, past, past Samuel and he, each one that passed him, the Lord said, no, he's not the one. He's not the one. Until all of them had gone past and he said, well, you have, do you have any other sons? And mind you, one of the sons that went past him, uh, Samuel was sure that that was going to be the one. So he must have really looked kingly and God said, no. I have rejected him. He's not the one. And they had to go and send for David, who was out tending the sheep. He was out working, but they had to send for him. And when he came in, Samuel anointed him as king because God said that was the one. So God looks on the heart. And what was David doing? He wasn't trying to please anybody. He was working. He was taking care of the sheep. He was doing what he was supposed to do. So when we do things for the Lord or his people, Let's make sure that we are doing it for the right reasons. Make sure our motives is right because God sees you. He sees you all the time. He knows what your heart is like. So do it out of a, a pure heart. Uh, do things as unto the Lord. There's a scripture um, that says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. Because uh, how many people know that God always sees us? And he knows our motives and we want our motives to be pure. So whatever we're doing, make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. God, and also when you're giving, that even goes for your giving. Give, you know, even financially give for the right reasons. God, it said God loves a cheerful giver. And that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So even in our giving, make sure it's you're not giving because of pressure or because somebody's standing up there and saying, I, um, God told me that you're supposed to give X amount of dollars. Well, if God hasn't put that on your heart, you have to give what he tells you to give and be and feel good with that. Don't let people pressure you into doing things that the Holy Spirit hasn't told you to do. <clears throat> give what God tells you to give because we should give. But make sure you're, you're giving out of a pure heart and not reluctantly and you're doing it what God, giving what God tells you to give. So you must always make sure 
We must always make sure our motives are pure and right because we can't fool God. He knows and sees everything. So when you're giving, not just money, because oftentimes we talk about giving and we just say money, but it's not just your money, but your giving is also your time. You give of your talents. You give of your gifts. If you're a musician, you're playing in church, that's you're still giving. You're giving of yourself. If you're a teacher, you're giving of yourself. You're giving of your time. Um, so do it with a grateful heart. Also, in Hebrews 11, verse 4, we want to read that where it says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. So that word faith means is by persuasion, by his conviction. Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. So in other words, he had the right attitude. He had the right character. He had the right heart. His heart was right. And God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith because his heart was right. So Abel still speaks to us that if you do the right thing, God will be pleased with you. And we're back in Genesis chapter four, verse six and seven. It says, God warned Cain that if he does not, if he does what is right, he will be accepted. However, Cain was warned that if you don't do what is right, sin will overtake you. Remember we read the scripture that it will be crouching at the door. So the enemy is always there. Uh, 1 Peter 5, and 8 says, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's always sneaking around trying to catch you in something or trying to uh, trick you or trying to uh, bring something in front of you that attempt you or, or to get you. Cain was given an opportunity to get it right. God has was always... God always have mercy and grace on us and gives us an opportunity to get it right. He even gave Cain, because God knew Cain's heart. He knew that he was jealous of Abel. And so he talked to him. He said, you know, you get it right and then you'll be accepted as well. So God gives us grace. He gives us time to get things right. So what situation has God been speaking to you about and you have time to get it right right now? And you have time because Jesus hasn't come back yet. So you know you got time to get it right. You don't want to wait until, uh, you know, if you have art with somebody, you know, and God is telling you to get it right. You don't want to drag your feet with that. You want to do it. You want to get it right quickly because you never know. Tomorrow is not promised if that person is going to be around, uh, you know, tomorrow, especially in our day and time with COVID and everything else that's going on. You just want to make sure you, you make things right and deal with things quickly. We are in a time of grace right now, so we have the time to get it right with the Lord and our fellow brothers and sisters. And, and we're talking about getting stuff like the unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, hatred, jealousy, all these emotions and feelings that rise up in us every day. And it, it, it's life. It's a part of life. As long as we're living on this earth, there are going to be people that, people that are going to offend you. People that are going to do things that's going to hurt your feelings, uh, that's going to cause you to get bitter, that's going to cause you to be angry with them. Sometimes it's going to cause you maybe even to want to be to hate them, in which we're not supposed to hate anyone. But when those emotions arise, that's why Jesus came. Be honest with God and talk to him. God, I feel this emotion. I feel this, this, this bitterness. I feel this hatred toward this person. And I don't want to feel that, Jesus. Help me, oh God. Help me to get rid of this. Purge me. Cleanse me. 
create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You know, um, that's one thing God said about David, that he was a man that was after his own heart. Because when David was confronted with some sins that he had done, David repented and he tried to make it right and created me a clean heart. That's one of the, the scriptures where he was asking, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me because he was repenting from what he had done. So when God points something out to us and he shows us that we need to fix something, let's let's make it right. Ask God to, to cleanse you, ask him to purge you and be honest with him. Because he already knows how you feel. He already knows you're mad at the person. So tell him, God, I'm mad at them. But I don't want to be. I want you to help me. Because right now, I'm, I'm really angry. And I need you to help me, God. So in verses um, 8 through 16, Cain kills Abel and God banished him to wander in the world, in, uh, on the earth. And he put a mark on him so that no one would kill him. And notice this is the first murder in the Bible that takes place in the Bible. In verse 9, Cain lies to God when he said he did not know where his brother was. So the sin of mankind is already, we can see the downward trend. We see Adam and Eve sin by disobeying God. Now Cain is sinning. We're going even deeper because he's killed his brother. That's even, you know, it's getting worse. He killed his brother. And after he killed his brother, he lied to God and said he didn't know where his brother was. So we don't want to be caught lying. Uh, there's some scriptures about lying. Let's just pause about lying for a minute because a lie is a lie. There's no such thing as a little white lie. And let's see what the scripture says about lying in Psalms 101 verse 7. God says, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. So God is saying, if you're a liar, you're not going to even be allowed to stay in his presence. Lying is listed below, listed as one of the sins that will cause you to end up in eternal damnation. And we'll read about that in Revelations 21 verse 8, where it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, you know, let's just be real. I mean, all of us probably have lied at least one time in our life or, you know, occasionally. But this is really talking about a person who is a perpetual liar. That's their character. That's their nature. They lie every single day. That's what they do and they have no remorse about it. So this is basically what this scripture is talking about. Because, I mean, you know, we're not supposed to lie at all. But when you do, that's why Jesus came. The blood of Jesus covers you. You ask for forgiveness. God, help me. I don't want to, I don't want to be uh, a liar or, you know, lie for any reason at all. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. But when you're practicing, we're talking about here people that practice lying, that do it as on a regular basis, and they have no remorse. You don't want to do that because you're, you're going to have your part with the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers in the lake that burns a fire. In other words, you, you're going to burn in hell for lying, for being a perpetual liar. <clears throat> so you don't want to do that. In verse 11, uh, which it talks about the curse. But Cain is, this is the third curse that God has pronounced. The first curse, per, curse he pronounced, if you remember, was when he cursed the serpent and told him he would crawl on his belly. The second time God pronounced a curse was when um, he cursed the ground. 
for Adam's sake until the ground will be cursed and bring forth thorns and thistles. Then the third curse now is on Cain. So envy, jealousy, and resentment will cause you to, to have, uh, cause your life to be scarred. It will hinder you and cause you to harm your fellow brother or sister. So please don't let jealousy and envy and resentment get a hold on you and take you over. Because it, it will hinder your growth. It's going to stop your flow. It's going to stop you from growing. It'll, it'll not only put you in prison, but it'll put the person in prison that you have an art with. You don't want to do that. When these things take you over, you will end up murdering your brother or sister with your words. And I'm not talking about literally killing them, but murdering them with your words. You will find yourself saying things to hurt and wound your brother or your sister. And note, because sin has been unleashed by Adam and Eve, we will begin to see the continued fall and depravity of humans. So this is just the start of how low sin will take us. And as we begin to read through the scripture, there's going to be some things that's going to be going on in the scripture that's going to make you say, oh my gosh, that happened in the Bible? People really did that? Yes. Yes, it's like God's allowing sin to get full, sin to just have run its course because God's got a secret plan, how he's going to redeem us. And we're going to talk about that much later. But in verse 12, Cain was to be a homeless wanderer. Verse 14 talks about Cain knew that this meant he was banished from the land and from God's presence. He would no longer be protected or under God's covering. Anyone would be able to kill him. So I believe Cain was fearful about people learning later on that he had killed his brother because now remember the population is growing. So I think he thought that eventually somebody's going to come looking for him and try and get revenge uh, because he had murdered his brother. And so I think it's, it's just important to note also that Cain did not show any remorse that he never cried. He never said, I'm sorry for killing my brother. The uh, only thing he was worried about is I don't want anybody to kill me. So it, it's steady showing how, uh, how, how low the human race is going here. Verse uh, 17 to 24, it talks about Cain getting married. Uh, and just as a sidebar, if you read in Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, you'll find that Adam and Eve had sons and daughters. So daughters were being born. And even in chapter 5, we're going to get to that next week, but it talks about um, the genealogy and everyone that they talked about, they had a son and they said they had sons and daughters. So back here, uh, during this time in Bible days, it was okay to marry your sister. Eventually that got kind of outlawed and, and frowned upon, but right now this is, this was allowed. Verse 19, it talks about, uh, Lamech. L-A-M-E-C-H was Cain's Cain's great, great, great grandson, uh, according to the way they have it listed in, in the Bible here. And he was the first one to practice polygamy. Polygamy is having more than one wife. He had two wives. And he also bragged about killing. Again, this is showing us, okay, sin is taking us down deeper as a human race. Because now, okay, you have Adam and Eve who disobeyed. You have Cain who killed his brother and lied about it. Now you have Lamech, a, a relative of Cain's who 
decided he wanted to have two wives. Okay, that's not the way it was meant to be in the beginning. God created Adam and Eve, one woman for one man. But God's allowing this. See how low sin's going to take us. And then he bragged about killing someone. So then it talks about Lamech's sons, who uh, one of them had uh, was the, the father of livestock, and the other start created the, the flute and the harp, and another one created tools like bronze and iron. So basically this is saying that, you know, human race was just going about its business. They were creating things, they were growing, but it didn't say anything about God. So they're, you know, society is just moving on along, but it didn't say anything about God until we get to verse 25 and 26. It says, Eve gives birth, she gave birth to Seth, and Seth birthed Enos, and people began to call upon the name of the Lord again. That's the way the um, New Living, I mean, the New King James Version states that they begin to call upon the name of the Lord again. And according to uh, the Nelson Study Bible, this means that people begin to preach about God. They begin to pr proclaim God and his works publicly. So what can we learn from Genesis chapter 4? I think it's pretty obvious what we can learn from this is basically don't be like Cain. Okay, Cain had a lot of jealousy against his brother, a lot of envy, and he let that fester so much in him that it turned into hatred. And then this hatred absolutely kill, actually killed his brother. And you don't want to be that way. We want to love one another. We don't want to be like Cain. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the 30, verse 36 through 40, and I want to end with this. Because it's so easy for us to, uh, for the enemy to try to get us to uh, pit us against each other and to get us envying each other. And there is a room in the body of Christ for everyone. We need your gift. We need my gift. I can't do what you do. You can't do what I do because God has a place for each one of us. So there's no need in the body of Christ for jealousy uh, or for, being, for envying someone. Because if somebody's being blessed right now, well, then it's their time for their blessing to come for them to be overflowed. Be happy for that person. Rejoice with that person. Because guess what? Your blessing is coming as well. And it's okay to say, God, I thank you for blessing them, but Lord, I'm looking for my blessing as well. It's okay to say that, to be expecting your blessing. But just don't be envious of them. So let's look at, we're going to close with Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. When they said, teacher, which is the most and important commandment that the, in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's giving God your best. Loving him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You can't get any better than that. Because when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to do what he tells you to do. You're going to walk accordingly. You're not going to want to grieve his Holy Spirit when you love God. When you love God, you want to live it out his way. You want to do it the way he wants you to do it when we love God. I think that love was kind of missing in Cain. Verse 38, and we're in uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 38. said, so this is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39 said, a second is equally important. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. And I think it, the entire law, when it says that, uh, when you read the Ten Commandments, if you read them, part of the commandments is uh, based on your love for God. Based on your love for God, you're not going to have any idols before him. You're not going to do a uh, part of what that says because you love God and you don't want to grieve this Holy Spirit. Well, when I love my brother and sister, I'm not going to want to steal from them. I'm not going to want to kill them. I'm not going to want to bear false witness against them because I love them. So when you have that love in place, your love for God and your love for uh, your fellow brothers and sisters, it forms a cross and it shows you that uh, it'll keep you in check because love covers a multitude of sins. And even when you get offended, when they offend you, you're going to love them so much that you're not going to want to uh, retaliate, but instead you're going to pray for them and you're going to let God deal with that. Amen. So we don't want to be like Cain. That is um, the lesson that we should get from Genesis chapter four is that don't be like Cain. Instead, you want to you want to love one another. Amen. So next week, we're going to uh, start with chapter five. But I just wanted to, before we close, just um, invite those that are listening. If you haven't accepted Christ into your heart, I want to give a short teaching on my channel about uh, salvation and the sinner's prayer. So if you go to the sinner's prayer, go to my channel, there's a, a video called the sinner's prayer. If you click on that video, it will lead you to Christ. And then after you click on that video, there's a more detailed video called teaching about salvation, where you can learn about your salvation experience because it gives all the scriptures and there's a little longer teaching, but you need to go through that, take your time, stop the video, start it and get those scriptures down because once you know what's going on with your salvation experience. Amen. So let's just say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this teaching. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all those that are listening. Father, anyone there, Lord God, out there that has not accepted you into their heart, God, I pray that you would deal with them and soften their hearts, Lord, and cause them to know that you love them with an everlasting love and that you have arms outstretched for them, oh God. Father, I thank you for showing us what you would have us to see even in this teaching. Father, we thank you and we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I will see you next week.